we've never seen before. You've done the impossible. We've seen our mountains move before. Your word is unstoppable. With expectation, we declare those Tonight could be the night that God starts doing things in your life. But I want us to just worship right now and just from our heart. God, thank you, Lord, for what you have done for me. Thank you for every time, God, you touched me in an altar. Thank you, God, for every time that I needed encouragement, God, and you were there to lift me up. Thank you, God, for every time that I made a mistake and you did not come down on me, but you forgave me and you welcomed me back in. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, God, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord God, for your grace. Come on, young people. We need an atmosphere of thankfulness right now. And it starts right here in our heart. God, I'm thankful, Lord, for what you have done for me. I'm thankful, Lord God, for your goodness. I'm thankful, Lord God. Come on, not everything is perfect, but God has been good to me. God has been good to me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we love you, Jesus. We worship you, God. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I just It helps. It's helped set the atmosphere just to get our minds in an attitude, in a position to praise the Lord, to give God glory. Amen. We're going to turn now, if you brought your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, or you can just listen, 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. And we're going to start at verse number 8 and just read a few verses of Scripture. Now, we, we, you, if you've been to church, and many of you have, all of you have been to church multiple times, we preach from the Bible because that is the only place where God's thoughts really come from that we can see, that we can feel, that we know for sure are true. God does speak to people, but those things that he says are taken out of context or misunderstood, but not the Bible if you rightly apply the Bible. So that's why we always read Scripture at the beginning, because this is where the truth is for your life. So that's, that's what we're going to do, and that's why we do that. It's not just a ritual. It's not just something that we do, but, but it's the only place where truth comes from is from this book right here. So that's why we start with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 8. Now you are full. Now you are rich. You have reigned as kings without us. Reigned meaning you have ruled as kings without us. And I would to God you did reign that we also might reign with you. So he's talking about apostles, the preachers, are talking to the saints. And he says, I'm glad that you're doing good because you doing good is us doing good. Our success is connected. I want you to do good. I want you to be successful. I want you to have a good life. When you do good, I do For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, last. Somebody say last. As it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise. Now I want you to 
look at the comparisons here, and this is what I'm going to preach about. Appointed unto death, spectacle unto the world, and then verse number 10, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise, we are weak, but you are strong, you are honorable, but we are despised. Verse number 10 again, we are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. So there's this comparison back and forth. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. You are greater than me. You are greater than me. That's what I want to preach to you tonight. You are greater than me. I want you to bow your head and I want you to pray just one more time and ask the Lord to minister to us tonight. God, we need your help. God, I need you to touch me tonight. God, it's not going to come from me. It's not going to come from my wisdom, my understanding. God, but it's, going to, it's got to come from you, Lord, if it's going to make a difference in the lives of these young people. God, I understand that. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I, God, I pray that you would bless them that you would open up their hearts to receive, to hear the word. I pray that you would give them strength and that you touch us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated tonight. Now this message began to form in my heart several weeks ago and I knew it was um, something that I wanted to share with you uh, on, a, on a Wednesday night um, because... Well, Sister Nikki and I, we, we love you very much, and we want to see you succeed. And, and, and you know, Sister Nikki helps me a lot, helps me. Uh, I, I always ask her, you know, how how'd it go, how things go, because she gives uh, good feedback um, as to how people receive things. She's very good at that, feeling how people receive things. And so she just had kind of mentioned to me that, she thought maybe we'd been in a rut a little bit as a youth group as far as um, what was being preached, what I was preaching, what I was telling you. And so it really started me down this process and thinking about ways to communicate differently to you, to get you to understand your life differently, to get you to understand your place in God's kingdom differently. And I'm very thankful for her uh, for that insight, because I, I want to be able to minister well to you. I want to be able to talk to you, and I want to be able to say things that are true and things that inspire you and things that help you. And so, I begin to, th- the Bible talks a lot about, and I'm not going to read all the verses, and I'm not going to do an exhaustive Bible study, I don't want to bore you, but it talks a lot about servants and sons in the Scripture. Now, that's over our head as far as modern day because we don't have servants. So it's different today. But in the, the context that the Bible was written, and really up until about 100 years ago, and maybe even still in some very higher-end uh, families that have a lot, a lot of money, there could still be this concept. But back in the day, before modern amenities you had to have a lot of help to keep a house running. You couldn't use the washing machine. You couldn't use the dishwasher. You couldn't use the microwave. 
You had to have all of these things. There weren't public schools. There wasn't, there, you, if so if you had any wealth at all, you would hire people to do these things for you in a, in a great house. So even in Europe, and just a few hundred years ago, this was very common. People would hire servants, and they would literally take care of everything in the house. They would keep the books. They would buy the groceries because you couldn't just go to Kroger. You had to, con you had to have contact with local farmers in order to get the food, in order to have different kinds of food for the house, or you had to grow it or whatever. So you had a lot of different people managing just for a family to live. You had the wealth, you had all of these things. And that was, that's been the same for, for centuries that people, and in the Bible, they would hire people, they would hire servants in. And the Bible talks a lot about servants. They can rise to a level to where they are loved by their master and where they love the master and they become like a family. So the service in the Bible was never slave labor. It was always Voluntary. If it was, if you owed a debt, you could work your debt off. But even if your debt wasn't paid, after seven years you had to be released. So it was this servitude that we don't really understand. But there was this concept of servants in the Bible. And they would rule the house. They had charge over everything. And specifically one servant that God began to deal with me about and think about a lot is the schoolmaster. Because in a great house, you, ha you couldn't just send your kid to public school. There really weren't a lot of public schools. So you, as a parent, had to be responsible for the education of your children. Now, if you didn't have a lot of wealth, you would do that yourself. But if you had a lot of wealth and a lot of things to attend to, you would hire a private schoolmaster to come in, and they would teach your children. And the schoolmaster would be over the children. Right? That makes sense. How many are in school? Right? How, how many have teachers? Yeah, I know. So I know you know what it's like to be gotten on to. Some of you may have gotten a write up today, so this may this may sting close in your heart. This you may be feeling the the anger rise up again and uh, in your heart. You may be it may be coming up. But do you know that the schoolmaster is in charge? That the schoolmaster is responsible for educating you. So there has to be a certain order and a certain discipline that's kept in the classroom so that learning can happen. But in, in this case, in your case, the boss of the school teacher is the state, the government. Most everyone here goes to public school. But that wasn't the case for families years ago, especially ones that were wealthier. If you had a schoolmaster hired in, then that servant worked directly for the parents of the child. And one day, that child would grow up. And if the schoolmaster lived long enough, that child would become the schoolmaster's boss. So you had this dynamic between servants and sons in that sometimes servants had the say because they were older and they were in a position to train, to instruct, to teach, to keep the house. They were maybe a nanny or a, or a governor or a governess, as they called them, school teachers in the home. It was like extreme homeschooling. And they would come in and they had the reign over the children, but they had to be careful how they handled those children because those children were the, the children of their boss. They weren't just some nameless kid from the community. They were the child of the boss. 
and they were the ones that were going to inherit the estate and the home and one day become their boss. So it was this kind of interaction that had to happen where, yes, they were responsible for teaching and they had to make sure that they taught the truth, but they had to make sure that it was taught in the right way. And that order was kept in the right way. So there was this dynamic because when it came down to it, the father, he loved his children because that's why he hired the servant was for the good of his children. So the emphasis was not on the servant. The emphasis was on the children. They had to be learning. They had to be growing. They had, they had something that was precious in his sight. Now, he could elevate a servant and he could say, you've done a good job, well done. But his goal was to make sure that the children were able to inherit the kingdom, that they were able to be who he needed them to be in order to step into the role of sons and daughters in the kingdom of this great house. And so the Lord began to deal with me about a schoolmaster and about my role to you. Because it's I am not your boss. I am not placed by God in some way over you to control your life. I am not the guru of everything about life. I don't know everything. There, you're, if you ask me a bunch of questions, you're going to get I don't know a lot of times because there are things that I just don't know. And I am not over you in that way. Because when God looks at this youth group, He looks not up here to see how good I am and take pride in that. He's looking out there. Because the whole focus of the eye of heaven is on His children. And you are His children. You are the heirs with Christ, the Bible says. Joint heirs with Him. You are situated to inherit the kingdom of God. You, you sitting right there on that pew is God's focus. You are God's focus. That's what He looks at. That's what He desires. That's what He wants. He wants you to be in relationship with Him. He desires you to know things about Him, to become something for Him. You are greater than me. When, it, when, it, when heaven starts looking down at our youth group, the emphasis is not on what I am doing and how well I am doing. And the emphasis is on are you learning? Because I am just the servant, but you are His children. You are the ones that God are looking at. You are the ones. And I believe that in this scripture, the Apostle Paul is touching on that. Because if you apply this Word of God, these principles that we teach to you, not in order to conform, not in order just to shape up, but if you apply, they will bless your life. And they will allow you to inherit the blessing and the favor and the kingdom of God in your home and in your life and in your future going forward. There's a book that I listened to on audio a while back. It was, quite frankly, way over my head. It's a book that Brother Mooney had recommended to me, so I tried to listen to it on audio book, and it was, I mean, I was getting lost. I was getting swamped. I mean, it was just like this abstract thinking, philosophy, all this stuff. It was, just, it was, it was swamping me. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't grasp it all. But one thing I did grasp, and it gave me comfort in my life, because he said, we think usually that 
a library is good if you've read all the books in your library, that the smartest people have read every book that they owned. And he said that's not true. That statistically speaking, people with libraries larger than they can read in their lifetime are the smartest people. So the most valuable book that you own is a book that you have not read. Once you read it, it loses value in your life. Now, he had all these statistical models to prove his point mathematically because he's a mathematician. Because he said that a book that you have read has already, you've already absorbed the knowledge from it. So we like to keep them as trophies, but you've already absorbed the knowledge. But a book that you haven't read has potential for you to learn something else. And it keeps you pushing to uh, gain knowledge because you see all that there's left to learn. So I felt pretty good about that because there's a lot. You come in my house and you see all those books. I haven't read most of those books. I read some of them, but there's a lot of them that I haven't read. So I patted myself on the back and I thought, Jared, you're on the right track. I'm almost at genius level. And I went home and ordered a few more books on Amazon just to make myself smarter. I was just like, yes, the anti-library. Because the potential to learn and to gain more is more valuable than something that is already set. And so when God looks down at our lives together, He sees me. And I have made choices already in my life that have pigeonholed me into the place that I'm going and the thing that I'm going to do and who I'm going to be. I cannot change very much about my life. I have bills. I have a family. I have responsibility. I have things. I can't just pack up and leave. If God wants to move me, it's, he, there's a lot to move. I'm going to need a couple trucks. He's going to need to do, get a lot of things in place because I have made decisions that have set me in stone. So I, I think I, for the, by the grace of God, I've been able to, what I feel like, make the right decisions. Hopefully I haven't missed anything. But yet I'm still already down the road. I can't really backtrack and become something completely new in my life. I am who I am. But you, sitting on that pew, have endless potential in God's kingdom. He's looking down at you and He does not see young people that have made too many mistakes. He does not see young people that have already walked so far that they cannot become who He needs them to be. But He sees potential. He sees you sitting there and He knows what you are capable of doing. And so you have more value to Him than I do because I've already made my lot in life. But you have endless potential. There is no telling what God could do in your life. You have infinite value to Him. You have infinite value to Him. We, we, the Bible uses says, you are the potter, God, and I am the clay. And Sister Nikki teaches a lesson about clay hardening. I remember it. Some of you probably weren't even in the youth group when she first taught it. But clay hardens after a while, so it's it's formable at first. And you can start over and you can work with it. But after it gets hard, there's not much else to do with it. And I'm not saying that God doesn't use older people and that God can't use me. I'm just saying, don't let your youth deceive you. You have value with God because of it. It is your greatest asset. It is not a hindrance to what God wants to do in your life. It is an asset right now. You are greater than me. You are greater than me. 
And listen to me, God may not, God's probably not calling everybody in here to be a preacher. But guess what? Look at this building that you're sitting in. Guess who built this? Not preachers. Guess who provided the money for this building? Not preachers. God's calling you into His kingdom. And He needs you to be great so that He can build His kingdom. He needs somebody to be a millionaire and still love Him. He needs somebody, maybe even to be a billionaire and still love Him. He needs somebody to be in the community, to be a good mother, to be a good father, and still love Him. He needs somebody that may not be called behind a pulpit, but yet your life is such a witness and your testimony is so strong. That's who He needs you to be. You are great. You are great. You have the potential to be great. You are greater than me. I will probably never make a million dollars because I have given myself to the service of God. We talk about the ministry. That just means service. So I've given myself to service and that's good and God needs people to do that. But not everybody can be a preacher. Not everybody can be a servant. They need somebody to inherit the kingdom of God, to inherit the blessings of God, to be on your job and let the blessings of God flow down on your life. And they say, you know, that's the best employee that we have. You know, that, that Aiden guy, he's so good at his job. He always has a positive attitude. He comes to work on time every day. He's never hung over. He's never high. He always comes in. He's kind. He's faithful. We're going to give him a raise. And then they, they say, Aiden, what's, what's so different about you? And then he begins to tell them, well, one day I I got the Holy Ghost and that changed everything about my life and then there's the kingdom right there in your life and they're just giving you praise and honor now they look at me and say you're a preacher that's kind of weird that's what the Apostle Paul said we're despised we're kind of thought funny and that's okay that's, that's what I chose I chose to enter the ministry but God is looking at you and saying I can pour out blessing on your life so that they when you walk in the street they're like that's a good person right there They've got good things about their life. Why? Because you've taken what I've tried to teach you and what this Bible teaches you and you've applied it to your life and God's called you to greatness. Not mediocre life. You know what? Not everybody has to be a missionary. Not everybody has to be a preacher. Somebody's got the kingdom of God and that could be you because you are greater than me. You are greater than me. There's no telling who's sitting on these pews right now. There's no telling what you could accomplish. There's no telling what you could do. There's no telling who you could become right now because you're still young, because you're still moldable, because God is good, because His mercy endureth forever. You say, Brother Jared, you don't know what I've walked through. You don't know the kind of home life I have. You don't know the kind of mistakes that I have made. But you know what that is? That is a testimony in the making. That is a testimony in the making. God can even use the mistakes and the things in your life that you are the least proud of. God can use those for His glory because you are greater than me. I watch you walk through the things that I never had to walk through. I lived a very protected life. I went to a Christian school, an apostolic school. My grandparents were apostolic. My parents were apostolic. I was very sheltered and very protected and I watched some of you walk through the different things and yes, you make mistakes and yes, you trip up but I think God, I don't know if I was in their shoes if I could have done it so don't hang your head in shame but get down on your knees and say God help me turn this test into a testimony help me turn this situation in my life into something that you can get the glory for because you are greater than me 
God didn't call me to walk in your shoes. God didn't call me to your family. God didn't call me to your school. But he called you to walk where you're walking. He called you to your family to be the light, to be the witness. He called you to your friends, to your school. He called you to your lunch table. He didn't call me. You are greater than me. God called you, not me. Because I'm just the schoolmaster. I'm just trying to teach. You are the apple of God's eye. You are His child. You are a son. You are a daughter in the kingdom of God. And He's looking down saying, I want to pass my blessing. I want to pass my inheritance on to you. I want to bless your life with peace, love, joy, financial stability, a good family. I want. I know there's going to be hard days, but I want to bless you. I want you to inherit my kingdom because you are my children. So I've set somebody down to teach you. Not to get on to you, not to put you in a bad spot, but to help you inherit the kingdom of God, to help you see who you have been called to be and what you have been called to do. And literally, the sky is the limit on your potential in God. God could give you an idea for a new business. God could give you an idea for a brand new uh, tech company or social media experiment. God could call you to be a missionary. God could call you to reach the world in an unconventional way. There is no telling what God is going to do with the people that are sitting on this pew because you haven't made decisions that have locked you in. So right now, while you have the value of your youth, I would suggest that you take advantage of your opportunity and you get to know the Father and you get to know what kind of blessings He wants to place in your life and you begin to read your Bible. You join Bible quizzing. You'll crack open the word before you start your day. You bow your knee in prayer and say, God, make my life into whatever you want me to be. And the sky is the limit. There is endless potential sitting on this pew. God can do anything with your life because you are greater than me. God's called you to your situation and He knows your mistakes before He called you. He knew your mistakes you were going to make before He called you. But yet He still called you. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance because He looks down and He says, there's a young person that I can use. And if they'll give their life to me right now, the masterpiece I can make out of their life. The masterpiece I can make out of their family. The masterpiece I can make out of their home because they have given me everything. Because you are greater than me. And if they come to the music, I'm closing. Because I think that there's somebody here that I'm reaching for. It could be everybody. But somebody here needs to be reminded of who God's called you to be. Because this world intimidate you. That's what they do. They intimidate you. We've been reading the book of Judges. I hope you've been reading it. But I was, just hit me that before the story of Jephthah, if you've been reading it, you know that story. But they, the children of Israel, the Bible says, begin to worship the God of the Amorites. And then the Amorites came and began to take their land steal their food harass them beat them up I don't know what they did they made their life miserable and I thought that's just like the world 
worshiping the God that they worship, trying everything our best to please them, to please the world. And it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. You weren't cool enough. You weren't hip enough. You weren't hot enough to be accepted. It's just how the world works. You give so much of your time and effort to be accepted, and then they, there's still people that shun you and say you're dumb, say you're stupid, say you're ugly, say you're fat. You've done everything you can to try to get them to be nice to you, and then they still just push you off. I know you experience that. You go to high school. You see the, the images on television that are modified technology and they're not even real people and that you think that's what I've got to look like or that's what I've got to be it's unrealistic pictures of relationships and you think if I just attain that and then it's just a fake you know that I'm not I'm not preaching that tonight but I just thought isn't that the way the world works robs you of your confidence robs you of your self-worth God's looking down and God is saying I love you forever. You are mine forever. Look, I know, I know not everybody's home life is perfect. And there are, there are no parents that are perfect. I've learned, I've learned that being a parent already. I am, I am so far from perfect. And I know I'm going to make a lot of mistakes. But you know what? My relationship with her as her father is really only temporary. Because I'm just a caretaker. But she is God's child. She was his before she was mine. And she will be his after I am gone. After she walks away from my home and I don't no longer have the influence over her, she will still be God's child. So even though I'm her parent, I've got to be careful how I deal with her and the call of God that's going to be on her life and who God wants her to be because before she was mine, she was His. And she will always be His even though she will be mine for only a season. And I know, I think all of you are blessed. Those of you whose parents I know, I know your parents love you. But you could say, my family doesn't understand because I know a lot of you, your parents don't come to church. You can say, my parents don't understand. But God has the final say. I'm not saying you need to be rebellious or push back. You just need to give it to the hands of God. You need to look because He is your Father. No earthly person, really. It's just a temporary role. He is your Father. And He's looking down and He's saying, I've got calling, purpose, potential. I chose you. I chose you. I created you. I allowed you to come into existence. I knew your name. I knew your hair color. I knew the build. I knew what you would look like. I knew your intelligence. And I called you anyway because I created you perfect. Perfect. I chose you. I looked down. I created you because I called you. You greater than me because God has a calling on your life God has a potential for you that you don't even understand 
want you to stand right now and just lift your hands. The Holy Ghost is in this place wanting to minister to somebody. Maybe you forgot who you've been called to be and you let the world tell you you're stupid, you're ugly, you're nothing, you're retarded, you don't have anything going for you. And God says, oh, I created them. Don't treat my child that way. And you need to get back in the presence of your father and hear those words spoken over your life. I love you. I love you. I have intention for your life. I have ability that I want to give you. I want to train you to inherit my kingdom because I love you. Come on right now. Just begin to lift up your voice right now. Come on, I'm talking to somebody. You've been broken by the things of this world, situations that you cannot control. But God's here and He wants to minister to you. God's here and He wants to minister to you. Come on, if you've made mistakes, God wants to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He's your Father. He's looking down, wanting to forgive you. He's not wanting to punish or destroy. But He's merciful. He's kind. He's understanding. He's loving towards you. Come on, just reach out to Him right now. Just reach out to Him right now. Let the Lord talk to you. Let the Lord speak into your heart right now. You have purpose. You are chosen with a purpose. You're called. You're not an accident. You're not an accident. You're not unwanted. But God's called you. God's called you to your testimony. Come on, let God begin to form it right now in your life. Let God begin to form it right now in your life. That's it. Come on, make this place a prayer room. Please, nobody talking. Just talking to the Lord right now. Let the Lord minister to us right now. This has been an episode of Axiom Youth Student Ministries. Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you've enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for the next one. Thank you for tuning in.